Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. Evening, friends. Welcome to another edition of Corbin versus the World. I am your hero, Corbin David Alba, here to bring you the greatest tunes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It is the fourth week of February, and we all just got done celebrating President's Day, or at least not going to work because of President's Day. And that gives me a perfect segue into doing something that I swore I would not do, but like all things I swear I will not do, I inevitably do them a month later. I'm going to talk about politics, my friends, because Bernie Sanders has announced his candidacy to once again run for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States. Obviously, he joins a crowded field. He's already joining a growing list of nominees. You've got Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Julian Castro, Fidel Castro, Jose Canseco, Samus, Zero Suit Samus, Donkey Kong, Ness, Waluigi, Olimar, the Rizza, the Jizza, the Old Dirty Bastard, Inspector Deck, Raekwon the Chef, you gone, Ghostface Killer, and the Master Killer. Holy shit, I'm so sorry, guys. We took that to a really weird place. This happens every single time I bring up Wu-Tang Clan. Also, you should all commend me because it's taken me 24 whole episodes before making an extended Wu-Tang Clan joke. So I feel proud of me at the very least. So you should feel proud of yourselves by the transitive property because that's how that works. Uh, Also, if you enjoyed that brief moment of Wu-Tang Clan, have you tried Wu-Tang Flan? Wu-Tang Flan, hood flan for your hood friends. Want to show your friends you're good with a blowtorch? Wu-Tang Flan. Sponsored by Cheese Watch. You ever hungry and want to know what time it is? Cheese Watch. That was your brief advertising minuet. Onward with the jokes. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, crusty old Bernie. So, I understand that Bernie is running, and I think that this is the perfect opportunity for him to rebrand himself. Because now the Democratic Socialist, uh, quote-unquote, far-left policies are much more popular to Democratic candidates, and they're much sexier to use in political speech. And so that is ideological ground that is now occupied by a lot of people. Bernie can't distinguish himself as much, except for the fact that he is an old and crusty old man that might, in fact, be made of moths and ants. However, I think that this is an ideal jumping-off point, because Bernie can rebrand himself, he can update to a new version that the people can all unite behind, and that is by becoming the candidate of physical fitness and well-being. There are six months, I think, until the primaries start. I have no idea. Personally, I think that primaries are outdated. Give them all clubs, put them in the Thunderdome, tell them there can only be one, 
and the last one standing is the nominee. Do I think that politics should be a blood sport? No. Do I think it would be very entertaining if politics were a blood sport? Yeah, kinda, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about swole-ass Bernie. I'm talking about dedicating the six months, not on policy, but in getting those reps in at the gym. Can you imagine if Bernie was standing on stage during the debates in a muscle tee, just flexing his big old man guns, like one of those people at Daytona Beach? Maybe he's wearing a G-string. I don't know. He's the candidate. I'm just throwing ideas out. But he's saying stuff like, I don't believe in gun control except for controlling these guns. And then he just starts breaking boards over his head and is doing like P90X American Ninja Warrior shit all over the stage. And people would love that because the only thing we love more than a charming old man in America is a charming old man that can kick your ass. And that is exactly what Bernie can be to our nation. He can be the socialist grandpa that can kick our ass. Hell yes. Anyway, that was my thought on it. I don't know why anyone hasn't consulted me on becoming a political advisor. I think my ideas are golden. But that does it for me with politics. I'll bring it up again in another month. In the meantime, here's some tunes. This is Pronoun and her song, Stay.
upsets give more than upset Hey, sweetie, did you get your loan or yet?
Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Corbin vs. the World. You just got done listening to Pronoun and her very, very good song, Stay. She has a new album coming out in May that is called I'll Show You Stronger. So Pronoun is very good. She's got a few singles out right now that are fantastic. Following that up was Broken Baby, Why Don't We Do Anything Fun. That gives me some flashbacks of early yeah, yeah, yeahs. And then rounding us out was Priests and their new song, The Seduction of Kansas. And that is also going to be on their new album coming out later this year. Such an exciting year for music. But we're going to move away from music and we're going to talk about something that's relevant to all of us. Harry Potter. That's right. We're going to talk about Harry Potter just for a bit on this show. Uh, The main reason I've had Harry Potter on the brain is because I do children's directing when I'm not screaming into a microphone to the delights of millions. And I'm currently working on a show called Harriet Potter and the Broom Closet of Knowledge. And it's the most shameless retelling of the Chamber of Secrets that I've encountered in a long time. I remember when I was originally reading through the script, and of course, it's just essentially a note-for-note retelling of the Chamber of Secrets, and I realized, having not read the books or seen the movies in a really long time, I was like, damn, these are really good stories, guys. And the thing that's really remarkable about it is that the Harry Potter books and the movies and that entire culture has affected our generation to the extent where a majority of us are more comfortable telling people what our Hogwarts house is rather than our religious denomination. We identify as Hufflepuffs and Gryffindors now, not Protestants and Presbyterians, in broad strokes. But on that note, getting back to how is this funny, I thought now would be a great time to bring back another fun game show interactive element on this show. This is called The Musical Sorting Hat, in which my producer, Chris Lanfear, will be giving me different bands, and I, as the musical sorting hat, will put them into their respective Hogwarts houses. Now, let's all take a moment and welcome back to the show, the one and only, our very special producer who we love very much, Mr. Chris Lanfear. All right, you ready for the first one? Oh, bring it on. I've got my hat on. Imagine Dragons. How did I know that you were going to open up with the biggest dumpster that you could possibly scrounge up? (laughs) You know me too well. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so from a musical perspective, you would think Gryffindor because they're all about strength and overcoming and believing in yourself. However, on the superficial level, they're Gryffindor. But my vote is that these guys are smart, they're conniving, They know exactly what songs they need to write to get them to the top of the commercial heap. These are ambitious musicians. These guys are fucking Slytherins. Dragons, snakes. It's the same damn thing. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. And actually, yes, I do just want Imagine Dragons to be evil in my head canon. (laughs) This is the only way that they can be evil. Taylor Swift. Also Slytherin, no question. She is a snake. She is a lying, backstabbing snake. Never oh, come trust on. Never trust T Swift. Are you kidding me? Ah, oh, come on, Tay Tay. Because you know we got bad blood. That's Slytherin as fuck. That's vengeance. <laughs> yeah, you might be right about that. Yeah, trust me. I can I would put a pound of flesh on that wager. Taylor Swift is absolutely a Slytherin. Does she have the dark mark? I don't think so but I think she's damn close. She at least got the temporary tattoo once. 
Black Eyed Peas. Black Eyed Peas are absolutely Hufflepuffs. They're all about camaraderie and friendship and having a good old goofy time. Well, actually, no, what am I talking about? The Black Eyed Peas are fucking Hufflepuffs. Of course they are. What makes them Hufflepuffs? They're Hufflepuffs because they're all about partying and having a good time and being friends with one another. They're always dancing and enjoying. They're never getting, like, really intense. I mean, there's, like, where is the love, which, you know, they got a little intense with it. But, you know, overall, they're just a superficial fun band. Absolute Hufflepuffs. So my humps are really my puffs. <laughs> yes. That's what I read on on uh, Rap Genius. Kiss. Everything about Kiss screams Slytherin. The uh, occult get-ups that they put on, the absurd sideshows that they have, and, of course, their relentless devotion to money and influence. Kiss wanted to take over the world at one point, and they very nearly did. We nearly lived in Kiss World. I personally would rather live in Lord Voldemort universe than Kiss Land, but that's just me. Also, now that I think about it, Kiss Land is definitely a weekend album. And to answer your next question, The weekend is a Ravenclaw. He's introspective. Uh, Nine Inch Nails. I think Trent is a Ravenclaw. He's cold, he's aloof, but he's also wise in his years. He's seen some shit. Kings of Leon. Kings of Leon are absolutely Gryffindors, no question. They've got the rock star hubris, they've got the swagger, they've got the power chords, the overwrought emotion. Only a Gryffindor could write you somebody. Blink-182. I think Blink-182 are Gryffindors because they are raging against the machine. They're full of passion and youthful fury. So they are absolutely Gryffindors. And by extension, all pop punk bands that are trying to get out of this town, whichever town that is, they're absolutely Gryffindors. But aren't they part of the machine now? I mean, they're in their 40s. Yeah, but Tom DeLonge still fiercely believes that they're aliens, and so I think that they're still kind of in that outsider area. They're still fighting for their beliefs, it's just that now their beliefs are a little bit more uh, extraterrestrial. Aerosmith. I Don't Want to Miss a Thing is absolutely a Gryffindor anthem. You can't judge them by their worst uh, their worst no, no, uh, specimen, though. Come on. Love, love in an elevator. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Loving an elevator. Daft Punk. Daft Punk. You can't put robots in a Hogwarts house, silly. Robots aren't wizards. Everybody knows that. Oh, yeah. On a related note, I guess Taylor Swift doesn't have a house either. Oh, oh come on. Oh, was that mean? A little bit. Sorry, Tay Tay. We're Tay right, positive what you, what on you, this, on, on this is network. She a, is she a snake or is she... Is she a snake or is she a robot? Make your pick. Oh, God. Why do you do this to me? This is the dichotomy. There is no middle ground. I suppose if I had to choose, it'd be snake. Yes. The Eagles. The Eagles. <laughs> well, obviously, the Eagles are Ravenclaw because birds of a feather fly together. <laughs> I heard inside. You should. I and, do. And, and you will. Metallica. I was actually thinking about this one during the drive. So I think I think pre-Black Album Metallica are absolute Ravenclaws. They're students of the game. They are trying to show off how technically advanced and fast and powerful that they can be. 
not in a ambitious Slytherin way and not in an emotional Gryffindor way, but in a kind of calculated channeling of energy. However, post Black Album, post screaming at Napster and doing all that shit, absolutely Slytherins. However, I think around Death Magnetic, they shifted back into, I would almost call them Gryffindor now because they're trying to reclaim their former glory. So that's the first group on the list that has morphed not only from one house to another, but to a third even. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. It is. It is. I suppose it helps that they've been around for something like 75 years at this point, right? I think so, give or take. Yeah. Something to that effect. You've got to evolve during that time. Prince. I'm torn between Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. I think Ravenclaw, Private Prince... Private Prince. Prince the person is absolutely a Ravenclaw. He's aloof. He's cold. He's distant. He keeps himself isolated from the musical mainstream while he works on his own stuff. He's not concerned about competing against anyone else. He's not concerned about uh, his own legacy. He's releasing his music on his levels. From a musical perspective, Prince music is straight Hufflepuff shit because I have decided that Hufflepuffs are the sexy house. That is my executive decision. And Tumblr, that is now canon. <laughs> Hufflepuff is the sexy house. You know, you're you're inviting all sorts of weird fan fiction at that point, right? You know what? Weird fan fiction is better than no fan fiction, and a blind man told me that once. Yeah. <laughs> and I gave him $2. <laughs> and I left that hardies. Kanye West. Suspense is killing me. I'm having that moment that the Sorting Hat actually had with Harry, where he was like, I want to put you into Slytherin, but you really want Gryffindor, so I'm torn. I'm a hat. What do I do? I think kind of the opposite of Imagine Dragons on a superficial level. Kanye has all the trappings of a Slytherin with his ambition and his climb to the top and his shamelessness in marketing himself and causing media events everywhere he goes. But at his core is the Gryffindor motivation of wanting to do his family proud, of wanting to make his mama proud, of wanting to make his wife proud, his family proud. They are good urges and that is what makes Kanye such a frustratingly complex character is that he is absolutely a misguided Gryffindor and not an evil Slytherin in disguise like goddamn Imagine Dragons. Ed Sheeran is also a Hufflepuff. I know you didn't ask but I'm just saying it for the record. Well we all knew Ed Sheeran was a Hufflepuff. I think (laughs) that was a foregone conclusion. He looks like a Hufflepuff. Like literally like if if I didn't know words and you showed me a picture of Ed Sheeran and they would be like name that I would probably just say a Hufflepuff. I think anyone would including that blind man from Hardee's. Ed Sheeran kind of looks like a character that got cut out of the never ending story. (laughs) That joke was brought to you by Fal- by Balnor, the fuck dragon. <laughs> and it appears that the list of bands has grown empty for now, but there will be other editions of the musical Sorting Hat in the future. In the meantime, remember that Ed Sheeran sucks, and enjoy this music that I have lovingly curated for you. Mm-hmm. 
boys and girls, it is I, once again, your good buddy, Goblin King Mitch McConnell, ready to bring you back to this radio show that summoned me by invoking politics and magic, and I'm here to talk to you about Post Malone. I think he speaks for a generation, just like the 1985. I really love their last album. Also, what was the one before that? Oh yeah, I like it when you sleep. For you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it. When Matt Healy hits those high notes, it really makes my goat thighs tremble. Uh oh, the host is coming back. Back into my closet. <laughs> Alright, I'm back and uh that's weird. Why does a studio smell like barbecue sauce and wasabi? That's jacked up. I have to get another air freshener in here. Oh well. Anyway, welcome back to Corbin versus the world. You just got done hearing Holy Ghost exclamation point off of DFA Records, their new song, Epton on Broadway, Part 1. They released Epton on Broadway, Part 1, and Part 2, which you can listen to on Spotify. They have a new album coming out. After that, we had Spelling, that's three L's in Spelling, and her song, Under the Sun. And ending us out was Boy Harsher and their song, Pain. Just in case you needed some industrial blade club music in your life, we have that song, Boy Harsher. Boy Harsher is pretty brutal. Uh, also, while I have your ear, I just want to give out a public service announcement to all of my listeners. Brian Adams is not Ryan Adams. Stop sending hate mail to Brian Adams' house. He never did anything wrong except write The Summer of 69, which is nominated for Worst Song of All Time. Uh, also, quick shouts out to Ryan Adams for being a piece of shit, which we all kind of assumed. We just didn't know how much of a piece of shit he was. And now I feel extremely validated for never willfully listening to a Ryan Adams song. So sometimes, guys, FOMO can work out. That's my public service announcement. Also, I just want to take a quick moment to appreciate that someone on CNN literally posted an article that said, Brian Adams is not Ryan Adams. That was a thing that someone at CNN was paid to do. This is the kind of hard-hitting journalism that we should expect from our media conglomerates. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. I'm going to go get some air fresheners for the studio and get all this wasabi smell out. God, this always happens every time I talk about politics. Anyway, here's more tunes.
Greetings, hi, hello, welcome back. We are just concluding this lovely festive edition of Corbin versus the World. Thank you so much for tuning in today and surrendering your free time to my words of wisdom and vitriol and all of the lovely tunes. I have some fun housekeeping things I want to knock out. As I mentioned in the last episode, we are starting a new podcasting series. It is called Corbin versus the Movies, in which I take my wit and wisdom and I take it to the celluloid sphere as I fling hatred and wisdom and kind words and back rubs to all of our favorite B-movies and cult films. And I am proud to announce that we have picked out our very first movie to do for the first episode, which will be available for free to anyone at all. And if you dig on the episode, then you can contribute $7 a month to our Patreon and have unlimited access to all of the wonderful episodes. But our first episode, I am very proud to announce, keeping in with my New Year's resolution of watching every single Nicolas Cage movie ever made, I will be watching and talking about Face Off in which Nicolas Cage is John Travolta. John Travolta is Nicolas Cage, and I am always entertained. So that's going to be a really great episode that I'm very excited about starting off. We also have other perks available through our Patreon. If you just contribute $2 a month to our NOCO FM Patreon, you are able to dedicate a song on this show, which someone has done for this week. Mr. Rick Reed has requested Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra, and he could not have picked a better time for it. I am on a classic rock gods kick at the moment. I just went to go see a Bowie celebration at the Paramount Theater in Denver, which was a whole night of David Bowie covers because David Bowie is one of my favorite artists of all time. And while watching it, I was really transported by the fact that All of these songs, you know, these decade-old songs have endured through the years. They still speak to people. They still resonate. They still hit those psychic notes with us that register so much. And Mr. Blue Sky is one of those classic songs. Because it's one thing for a song to capture the imagination for a year or two and then fade into the obscure. But it's another thing entirely for a song to make itself part of the cultural foundation that our music comes from and our life comes from. So in that spirit, here on this show, I play the greatest tunes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and there is no question that that is absolutely one of the greatest songs of yesterday and our today. This is Electric Light Orchestra's Mr. Blue Sky. Thank you, Mr. Rick Reed. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate you very much. Have a good night. Please tell us why you had to hide away for so long. So why did we go wrong? Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why. 
This has been a production of NOCO FM.